Are we recording? <laughs> Matt, we are. We're back. And you know what? We did a great cold open that uh, is lost to uh, the, the bowels of the internet forever. But that's all right. We're back. Um, so my question, Matt, what I was saying before and what we were talking about is that there's some uh, some potential news that has come down from Australia that could affect us, that there's a law. And then what I want to know is uh, if they come asking for the software-defined talk passwords, uh, are you going to give them up? Because uh, as I read this law, it sounds like in Australia they can ask for that now. So what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. So so there's uh, there's a law that recently passed in Australia um, like a week ago, um, and it literally passed at like 11 o'clock at night with no one really putting up a fight to uh, – well, you know, the, uh, the Labor Party didn't really put up a fight and – you know, they pretty much just railroaded it through. Uh, it's called the Assistance and Access Bill. And um, what's interesting about it is, uh, you know, in the U.S. they've got the FISA wiretaps, you know, the, the I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but essentially you, you can go get a secret warrant to go to a company like, you know, an AT&T or somebody and say, you need to give us access to those phone systems because, you know, uh, a terrorist. Right. But I think the difference, and, right, in the U.S., yeah. like you got the it's the government going to a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as far as I know, the government doesn't go yeah, yeah. to like one d- individual. And this is what's different, I think, about this Australian law. Oh, yeah. 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 So the, the Australian one, um, rather than go to, you know, AT&T, you know, management and, you know, there's no AT&T over here, Australia Telecom, right. <laughs> um, uh, Telstra is is our uh, not broken up baby bill. Um so, so Telstra, you know, they can go to Telstra and rather than go to like the management and say, hey, you need to give us access on, on uh, Matt Ray's phone records, they can go to, you know, uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Blow, who is, you know, sitting in a network somewhere and say, hey, Joe, you need to give us Matt's phone records. I'm not, not, I'm a bad example. I'm a good citizen. Trust me. Right. Um, Somebody's you need to bad, give me, an evil person's need, phone number. Yeah. You need to give me a bad guy's phone records because, uh, you know, because of reasons, and you can't tell anybody, right? So Joe doesn't get to go to his manager and say, hey, uh, I just got this warrant that says I have to give up this information. No, Joe just has to go do it. And if Joe, uh, you know, tells his boss uh, he's in violation, can go to jail. Um, and so, so yeah, if, if they were to come to, to me, for example, and uh, say, you know, I want the, the software to find talk passwords, because, you know, we practice some rigorous infosec here. We have <laughs> shared password. We're all all for one, uh, one for all, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. um, I couldn't tell you, Brandon. You would just give it uh, up. You would just immediately uh, give it up. Well, uh, or go to jail. So so, <laughs> it, so, so you have, you have kind of two options there. You can figure out that, well, if Matt's in jail, he was trying to protect software-defined talk. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll never know. Wow. Um, and, and, and so what? Uh, what? Oh, that's what right. Couple... Because you can't tell us. That's the other tricky part. You. Like, so I, I won't even you. know. I'll just be like, what? Right. Okay. Got it. So what? 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 Uh, what happened? Uh, a couple companies in the U.S. did what they called um, warrant can- uh, canaries, and and you're not allowed to say like, you know, uh, AT and T has been sor- served with a FISA warrant. Mm-hmm. And a couple of, of the telcos and, and ISPs and, and hosting companies threw in a little little 
sentence into some of their like SEC filings that say uh, to this date, um, you know, AT and T has not been served with a FISA warrant. Oh, okay. So, and uh. then what you do is the next time you file. You take it out. <laughs> ah, I see. So you just kind of quietly. Well, you know, because I do think this, it sort of um, pits internal InfoSec against uh, the government. Because let's say you're in a place that had valuable data, not software-defined yep. talk, and somebody wanted it, you would hope that in this case, they if, some, if they were to ask someone, you would think they would ask someone that's a privileged user. And then you would hope if that place has sensitive data, they would be doing some, like, p- privileged user management, right? So they would have some, you know... Uh, as as good security practices like that person wouldn't know the password, but he'd go through you know one of the various privilege access systems, which would then log it, right? He would be logging his access, and then yeah. of course that becomes auditable, right? So 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 for example, if you know you're the person approached, and then like I'm the like doing the audit, I'd be like, okay, well this is weird. Like on Thursday, Matt was in this system and he got all these records, but I don't. Nobody knows like. That's not that's what? unusual, right? So it gets flagged. Yeah. So like I'm an auditor, I'm doing my job. I'd be like, hmm, I gotta go ask, I gotta talk to Matt. And then I walk into the room with you and I'm like, Well, Matt, you know, you're a privileged user, but you didn't seem to need to have access to this. This isn't part of your job. And, and so like what are you gonna So I guess at that point, like, what are you gonna do? You'd be like, Well, I'm either gonna fire you, right? Because you're I think you're doing some illegal uh data. Uh, access, or you're going to tell me that the Australian government, and then you're going to be in legal trouble, right? So you're like, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you just have to have like some kind of sign where you just like some sort blink, of you know. blink three times, Matt, and, <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is uh... exactly, exactly. So, so um, if you are uh, if you are an Australian company, or you know, in uh, under Australian jurisdiction, you probably probably are starting to think about this and. Mm-hmm. Um, and warrant canaries are an option. Um, secret uh, knocks uh, might be an answer. You know, right. you know special handshake. I don't know. Because uh, if, if you look on uh, Wikipedia, they actually have uh, companies with warrant canaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and Apple, Reddit, and Silent Circle have all removed theirs. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, Interesting. yeah. But uh, companies like uh, Adobe, uh, Cloudflare still have theirs. Um you know, medium Pinterest, you know, so whatever. Um, but it's kind of an interesting question because I, on a more, on the more serious note is I, I did see, like you mentioned a couple of them, like last pass, one password, like, you know, companies where it's not just like security is part of the job. It's like the company, like one password, yeah, yeah. entire business rests on the fact that, that well, they secure passwords and they don't, you know, uh, give them out. So I, I did see something talking about how they have kind of, re, you know, rethinking employment, right? Like, can they hire somebody in Australia? And then is that like a new level of risk they're introducing into their, their company? Um, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a, a version of the, the whole idea, of like the data that of a specific country needs to stay in that country. Right. So it's maybe the flip side of that is like, well, if we allow other citizens um, that have jobs like that require these things, like is that risk to the company and does that affect like employment going forward? So that's, I don't know. I mean, I think that seems like a serious issue. That's yeah. Legitimately yeah I mean, there, to be worked out. There was uh, one of the secure email providers that actually shut themselves down. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I was just, you know, doing a little bit of live Googling. Um, it wasn't proton mail and it wasn't hush mail, but somebody else uh, shut themselves down because they refused to respond to one of those things. Mm. Um, but but yeah, so so Australia has and 
it starts to get more insidious because they're they're there's now you know this talk is back in the U.S. and they're talking about um, what are they calling them? like silent members of calls you know where where they're gonna have like every phone call is a conference call and you know maybe they can use your app but uh, um, there'll always be <laughs> a secret person on the <laughs> phone call listening in and uh, you know because that way they don't have to backdoor the encryption you just add another person to the phone call and then boom, like it's just right there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. so. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, uh, there's not much, you know. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's complicated. Yeah. And so, you know, keep using tools that use a lot of encryption, I guess, because what what inevitably happens with these things is like, oh, you know, we'll only use these for good. You know, no one will ever use them for bad. And, and what ends up happening is, you know, this happened with uh, the U.S. and the, with the NSA. You know, they found lots of records of you know, NSA low-level operators abusing the system, yeah. you know, going in and like, who's my girlfriend calling? And, you know, I'm keeping tabs on my ex-wife's phone records and listening in on our calls. And it's just like, you know, Big Brother isn't just about, you know, Big Brother isn't always uh, on the right side. Yeah. Well, no, the whole yeah. law of unintended consequences feels big here, right? That yeah. even yeah. Like, even the stuff we can predict that you just mentioned, sort of like low-level employees kind of misusing it for themselves I, like that we can anticipate but it's always the unanticipated thing right oh, where, definitely. where definitely. um and of course like so many times it's like well we we were gonna do this to make ourselves <laughs> more secure but it turns out like allowing for these back doors actually made us much less secure right that's that's often how Absolutely. this goes well, right it's like or like we you know we uh, we really thought we needed to get access to this data in case something bad happened so it turns out some bad actors actually got access also, to this data and that's what caused the whole problem. Right? Well, and, so. and, and that's, that's what, that's where WannaCry came from, right? I mean, the yeah. CIA was sitting on top of all these exploits and not notifying the operating system vendors and, you know, and network switch vendors and others that they had all these exploits. And then what happens, you know, the CIA gets looted, this stuff shows up on WikiLeaks and, you know, two months later there's, you know, WannaCry just busting out on all these machines mm -hmm. and it came directly from, you know, they're from the hack right, of the yeah. NSA, right? Where the they the it, hack yeah. of the hackers, right? Yeah. And so if, if anytime there are vulnerabilities like this, you know, eventually it's not just the good guys who have them, mm -hmm. right? Well, and it, so, yeah. It often comes back to like so many of these problems, I, I feel like, um, you know, putting aside the laws, it's like, you know, no matter what happens, like there's like usually like some super secret piece of data and everyone's like, hey, there's no way you can get to this. Like this is like the most impossible thing to get to, right? And then there's like a big hoopla around it. And then like a like time goes by. And then quietly like the people that said they couldn't get access, they just don't say anything else anymore. And then like another right. months or years go by and it was like, oh, it turns out there was, I don't know. It, I'm just generalizing here, but it's like always like there was an Israeli company that contacted such and such. And they did <laughs> yeah. like – something that seemed so impossible no one had ever thought of right they like i don't know they cloned the ram and like restart i don't know it's not, or the rom or something and and so it does seem like that no matter what happens uh there's a way there's like always yeah. a way and if you're and i guess that's what so much of all this stuff even you know as we call it encryption like if you have enough time money and computing power uh it, really nothing is not crackable it's just you know like your patience so well, so in yeah, the end i think that's how these solutions really get figured out right it's just like the willingness of someone to really crack something uh and if it's important enough they'll do it they will they will and and you know the the huge data centers that 
the uh, the NSA has in was it Utah? They're just recording internet traffic, <laughs> things that they can't break today, so they can break them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You know, that's another, so it's just yeah. a matter of time before you know computation catches up on this. Um, so uh, the moral of the story is everyone uh, be good. <laughs> Big Brother is watching, and so is everyone else. Well, uh, well, Matt, that brings me to another important topic. You know, uh, maybe you're not worried so much about like the security side of it, but you just want to make sure your your site is is up and running. Uh, is there, oh yeah, is there a good solution that you would maybe propose uh, that people uh, use? Take a look at. There, there is. So uh, this episode is, is sponsored by Datadog, and this week they want you to know about Trace Search and Analytics. So uh, Trace Search and Analytics allows you to explore, graph, correlate application performance data using high cardinality attributes. You can search and filter request traces using key business and application attributes, such as user IDs, host names, product SKUs, see who's logging in those secure systems, you know. So you can quickly pinpoint where performance issues are originating and who's being affected. Uh, tight integration with data from logs and infrastructure metrics also lets you correlate these specific trace events to the performance of the underlying infrastructure so you can resolve the problem quickly. Why don't you sign up for a free trial today at www.datadog.com, software-defined talk, and let them uh, and tell them that your friends at software-defined talk sent you. That's fantastic, and we, of course, appreciate Datadog as a sponsor. And this week, I'm excited to announce we have a second sponsor, and oh. <clears throat> this episode is also sponsored by uh, the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. So if you're listening to this, that means you love podcasts. means you probably like technology. Otherwise, you got lost on the internet, <laughs> and, and, and you're confused. Sorry, but, folks. But don't worry. Don't worry. If you like this podcast, you should definitely check out the Tech Meme Ride Home. So you've probably been to the Tech Meme site. It's been out there for... Uh, I think over like 15 years and they, they put all like the greatest, latest and greatest tech articles up there, keep you uh, um, up to date on what's going on. But the tech meme ride home podcast is a daily podcast, which I really like. I like daily podcasts and it comes out uh, here in the U S it comes out like kind of around afternoon. Right. So as they say, for your ride home commute and it's about 20 minutes long and it recaps like sort of all the, the daily uh, tech news. So if you like, I think of it as, as a great way to like, sort of like kill time on your commute home. Maybe you were like working really hard and you didn't like spend any time online. So you have no idea what's going on. So Brian McAuliffe does a great job. You know, like, uh, keeping uh, it updated on what happened, why it's important in tech, and all the latest stuff. So I think this week he was talking about the Apple campus that they're going to build in Austin and you know a bunch of other really good stuff. And he does a great job with podcasts in general. He wrote a book about internet history and things like that. So listen, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to search Ride Home in your favorite podcast player, and you'll see the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast uh, pop up. I want you to click subscribe, and I want you to enjoy that. So we appreciate uh, the Tech Meme guys sponsoring this one, which is fantastic. So, Matt, this yes. was, I believe, the I'm calling it the week of KubeCon. I managed to watch uh, all of the KubeCon uh, keynotes, which was exciting. But because you work at Chef, you know, a, a company that's uh, prominent in uh, open source. And I've been to uh, Chef Conf, of course, a great conference yep. that you guys put on. The first thing I wanted, I was like, kind of like, you know, kind of pulling back from all the announcements of KubeCon is like, uh, I am very used to like going to what I, I call like the traditional vendor or analyst uh, conference, right? So it's mm -hmm. the script is very well known. You, the first day, 
the the company comes out and like tells you all the great stuff. Then they bring up some customers. There's some roadmap, um, and it's it's very much everything is really geared around you know you're a customer, and we're going to tell you that we're doing great stuff, show you we're doing great stuff, and then we want you to maybe go see demos, attend sessions to learn about it. Now, what I took from this one that was slightly different was there was a little bit of that, of course, with KubeCon. Mm-hmm. But there was also kind of what I'm going to call like, um, like almost like your company kickoff or like your end of year kind of thing because you know it's put on by the CNCF and of course you know many of the people that produce Kubernetes and all its products are are, are there so they did these kind of sessions where it was like top committer of the year like um talking they did a lot of stuff about like the history of kubernetes which isn't you know which i found at first i was like it just i kind of felt odd but then it dawned on me that like no it's like this conference is sort of like it's like an internal company gathering it's like these guys don't mm-hmm. get together that much uh and so they're kind of it's almost like you've like been invited like your first day of your job is like to go to the company conference and you have no idea like who anybody is. And they're like, Oh, so-and-so won like employee of the year and so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, uh, and I, and I, and as I was watching it, I mean, it almost felt like you're being like a voyeur. It was like, like, I have no idea who these people are. I don't even know why the top committer. Right. Uh, right. And so, so do you find, um, and so it kind of dawned on me. It's like, at first I was like, why are they doing this? It's like, oh, no, it did. I get it now. It's like, this is part of like the community building. And it's really, if you will, the, the, the virtual company that exists inside of uh, uh, CNCF is, is really what, what they're doing. So like, I don't know. I think you've been to more of these kind of open source or yeah, conferences. Yeah. Like, what's your take? Is that like important to do in the conference setting? Um, is it like, am I, am I off base by feeling weird when I'm watching this? Like, what's going on here? Like, how do you approach that kind of stuff? I mean, this is definitely. Um, I, I I I was not at KubeCon, um, but this is this is like the same you know the same pattern as the OpenStack summits, and I went to I don't know ten of those. So uh, where you have all these different companies are you know they send their people here, and some of the people are the the maintainers and developers. Some of the people are totally new and just trying to understand what's going on. The vendors are there to, you know, make sure you know that they're in in, in this uh, exciting new world of, of cloud native, and um, and so the, the 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 content on stage will be, well, here are the highlights. You know, someone probably you know gives the highlight talk about, you know, hey, this is all the big deployments that we've done, and they get you know they get uh, a couple of uh, customers to come out and and you know testify about how great. Uh, Kubernetes is and this ecosystem is. I think you know they got who uh, uh, the guys with the waffle fries, um, Chick Fil A, and uh, Airbnb, and a couple others come out and, and talk about it. And and then some of the the roadmap sessions. Um, you know they're like, these are the things we're working on. And then of course they have all the like subtopics, probably you know break out into different tracks. And so it's 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 very similar from uh, to the OpenStack Summit. Um, I guess the the difference is the OpenStack Summit used to try to put um uh, this is dating myself because i don't do it anymore um they used to put the developer conference on the front end of the the big conference and so they'd get all the developers they'd work on they'd hash out the roadmap for the next six months and you know uh and then you know they'd do two or three days of a big conference Uh, they don't really do that with with cloud native stuff um and you know and they're talking about moving kubernetes even faster so uh I think that part stays virtual, and this is really just, hey, let's get together and you know have a have a nice rah rah. 
So yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, so I think you like you as an attendee. This was my my take. Like, uh, kind of, you know, uh, was like within the keynote, right? Because the keynote's maybe like an hour and a half, or and there's obviously lots of speakers. So it's like, you know, especially because I did not attend it. This is like another ideal thing, right? You just watch it all online now. This is the way to go. This is the future. The future is just watching the keynotes online because you get to sit down in a nice, comfortable chair, and then when they kind of get to the parts where you know, that are just not that as relevant. Like when they're giving out the top commuter committer awards or they're, uh, they went through like a long history talk of Kubernetes, which is, that's your chance to like go to the bathroom, get up, walk around. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I, I did feel, cause there was, uh, 8,000 people, I guess were at the event. So you're like, wow. Yeah. And that's one, that's just an incredible sign of like how successful Kubernetes is right. Just like kind of the uptake. But, uh, I did, you know, at times, and maybe that's why, you know, that feeling sometimes you get where you like, you feel for the person on stage. It's like, like they're really into it, but you're also like, you kind of like, you're like, um, I don't know if you're always aware of the audience as much. Like there's 8,000 people here <laughs> and, um, like only, I don't know, like maybe a thousand people know the top committer. You know what I mean? It's just like a weird and then, or the history. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting to know the history. It's not like bad to know, but it's like, you know, we only have an hour in this thing and it's like, um, and there's so many people here and there's so many other things that people have questions on, um, that I just sort of was like left with like, Hey, but you could probably better use this time and then do like a smaller thing, right? To your point, like maybe do a smaller thing that's really for, that core group, but you know, who am I to know? I don't know. I haven't started a project that has. Well, 1, I, I people. think, it, yeah, I, I think it's important to, you know, it is a kind of a community building thing and it, it's, it's nice recognition and, and you know, it may, it may only be, you know, maybe only a thousand people know who that person is, but um, it, it kind of reinforces the idea that, you know, we are, you know, working as a team together and, you know, we've got all this stuff going on. Um, I, I think it's worthwhile. I mean, or, or you know, would, would you would would you want like another hour on on uh, you know you know some new logging protocol that <laughs> you know is is maybe only applicable to five hundred people? <laughs> yeah, no, right? I, I think. Uh, well, the other thing that that kind of and we'll break down some announcements in a moment. The other thing that they did was there's a uh, there's a children's book written for Kubernetes. There's a children's oh, book written oh, by. Uh, I think believe he's from Microsoft. So they uh, came out and one of the sessions during it was uh, they they read the children's book, like the entire thing. Uh, so it was the person, the, the author, and then I guess like the person that helped him illustrate it. And um, like, listen, I'm all for like different ways to communicate. Like, I, I just think it's it, everything is very stale. And anybody that takes like the time to do something new or different, especially explaining very complicated pro, uh, topics into simpler forms, I'm all in favor of it. So uh, I'm going to read it because that's that's a good starter for me. But uh, <laughs> so I'm like, OK, children's book, start reading it. And then but like, again, like there's 8000 people here and it's a book. So uh, and it's a children's book with like illustrations and and so, you know, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, over belabor uh, this point, but like, you know, a book is usually like really easy to just read on your own, right? You know, so it's like, so, so I thought maybe, uh, so they read the whole thing and it was like, uh, it's just, it's like, okay, I mean, I guess. And then they came up with different mascots and those kind of, those mascots uh, were donated uh, to, to the Kubernetes uh, community. So it's like, it's a uh, guy starts with a 50, okay, I'll have to look up a second and get you the name. But uh, so they read that and then um, it came to an end. And I was like, okay, that was kind of weird, but like, all right. 
But then this is the point where I was like, uh, you talk about navel gazing. Is then they the the author and the <laughs> the, uh, the illustrator got off, and he's like, well, I thought maybe you guys would like to be interested in like how we made it, and he kind of like walked through like the process of making this writing this book about how he like drew figures and like oh, no. and then he was kind of going like not page by page but like very several pages like well here i was really unsure like what color should this be and how should i do this and how should i convey this and this was the point i was like whoa i was i was like wow way whoa 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 way, way too like like the book is interesting but i don't want the making of the book like i did not looking for the director's cut right <laughs> i was just this is crazy i really had the moment but everybody there was very very excited and they were collapsing and I was like, maybe I'm just being cynical again or something. But I was, I, but, but we got to that point. I was like, you could do like maybe a little YouTube video on like how you did it or something. But um, yeah. that was, uh, those things, if you will, just <laughs> stuck out to me. Like, uh, uh, to your point, like, yes, I would have liked to have heard about some more obscure uh, project for 20 minutes that I, you know, uh, then how, to, how to make the children's book. It was, it was weird know. to me. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a balancing act. So, you know, I, I, it's also like if you're there, it's probably a nice change of pace. I mean, you know, if somebody comes up and like, look, we're going to talk about Rook for 30 minutes and then we're going to talk about Jaeger and then we're going to talk about, you know, Linker D. Your eyes are going to start to roll back in your head. And then, you know, so that's why they break it up. They, they'll bring out a customer, give you a little testimonial. They'll, they'll bring out some rah-rahs about, you know, top committers. They probably spent some time introducing the latest members of the CNCF. You know, like, way to go, guys. You know, you paid $100,000. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, as, as an attendee, like, it's a battering ram of your head if you sit through a keynote that is like a solid three hours of just, you know, you know te- hardcore technical thing after another. I mean, we saw the AWS one, right? Yeah, you know, they yeah, had that's to, crazy. You know, J- Jassy has to take a break from talking, and I don't know. No, you, I don't think Jassy does. I think Jassy is a is a <laughs> well, robot, uh, and and the audience yeah. needs a break. He's just like you people cannot comprehend uh, the information I'm giving you. I will now give you 20 minutes of break to talk <laughs> about uh, Formula One, and it's just like he's he could go for three hours. I think so. Well, he, he he could, but the audience can't. Yeah, no, that's my point. It, yeah, it is, yeah, you you got to give people you got to give people a little break and. You know, it's I don't know what the right answer is. Everyone's going to come away with different responses because, you know, if, if you're like that, uh, that that manager, you know, the your CTO and you're there and you're like, I, I don't know what this rook is, but, you know, I'm going to send an email to everyone on Friday to tell me why I cared. And, you know, you didn't need to make me sit through it for 30 minutes. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so and, and then what he'll get excited about is when he sees that top commander is like, oh, we were close. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. so it's good to know. So then we can like recap that announcement. There is a children's book. the The mascot yes, is fi- it's a fi- Fippy at P H I P P Y, and everyone was uh, uh, um, uh, underwhelmed. Not no no. I mean, I think people in the audience like liked it. I was like, I'm just far away. I was like, this is weird. But I but everyone was encouraged to go take a picture with Fippy and his friends, and then they posted it. If you wanted to, you could post it online with the hashtag. So. Um, but now that we've covered the hard-hitting, important parts of KubeCon, let's get to the battering ramp. So that, this is what, like, the major announcements this week. Um, first, they came out and said that etcd had been, like, officially contributed uh, to, uh, to the what, – uh, whatever. It's now part of the understore, uh, CNCF. It's now a host of yeah. yeah, and yeah. so – um, that's cool everybody seemed, like, really pumped about that. And I, and I, I guess it is – it's one of these things, like, I will admit where this is where, you know – I just always like I never worry about like oh was SCD gonna like go away and like you know uh, 
and people take it and like they, they're going to start licensing it. So I just, I just kind of, all, you know what I mean? I just kind of assumed that like, this, yeah, this problem has been fixed. <laughs> so I guess if uh, I did, I was just like, I never even thought this was a problem. So they were like, Hey, it's great. So I guess that is important, right? I mean, it's, it seems to be, it is a very critical component of Kubernetes and the fact that, and there's probably tremendous amount of work, like officially getting mm-hmm. it into be a project. So, but like, you know, it is one of those things where you're like, you do all this work and it's just like a checkbox. It's like, Oh, okay, great. We don't have to worry about that anymore. But I wasn't even right, worried right. about it 10 minutes ago. So, uh, but there was a lot of talk about that and they, uh, even gave some history of it. And it's like, uh, I, I'll just, I just summarize it as like, yeah, you know what? It works really, really well. Everything's great. That's like nothing else to say. I don't know. I think it's, <laughs> it's good job guys. So that's, that was yep. one of the things. And then the other announcement, uh, that seemed to be a little bit more important was, uh, Envoy was officially promoted, I guess, from incubating to a graduated product, a, a mm-hmm. project. And so the three uh, graduated projects now in Kubernetes are Kubernetes, the orchestration platform, of course, Prometheus, which is uh, the monitoring thing, and then Envoy. Yeah. Uh, so now joins it. So, and this is what I would gather. So, have, and we can talk more about some of the presentations, but it seems like to really successfully use Kubernetes at scale, which is probably like if you did all the work to use Kubernetes, that's what you're trying to do. It does seem like from an outside in perspective to say the networking component was clearly a bottleneck, right? Like if you didn't have Envoy, or, and, and we can talk a little bit about Istio in a second, uh, from the sounds of it, from like kind of like all the big custom, like Airbnb and Uber, all these guys, like if they didn't have it, like it kind of didn't really work. So, yeah. so it's almost like the minimum viable product of Kubernetes like the brand was really yep. container orchestration and the service proxy. I don't think, you know, the monitoring thing, I think, you know, there's lots of other solutions to monitor. So you, it's probably just like nice that that got, um, right. it's, it's been graduated, but really the, like the building blocks you had to have was Kubernetes and on. Yeah. And, and so that yeah. does. And, and I think they kind of used that. They didn't say it this way. This is me saying is that, those two components, they, if you are someone skilled enough to like install all of this, you now have really what you need to make it run. doesn't mean that you're just going to be work on security and your own custom requirements, but the basic level building blocks you need are now available. So that's how I yeah, took I it. Mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the, the minimal viable Kubernetes, but you know, the, uh, this, this, you know, hearkening back to the open stack, right? The, the, First thing they had was was VM, or, you know, was was uh, IAS, and the second thing was networking, right? And networking, uh, well, I guess they actually had storage, but you know, networking came to dominate all the conversations afterwards because there were so many things related to it, whether it's permissions and routing and you know, uh, DNS and all those things just touch everything else, and you know, I. Monitoring and logging stuff is uh, exceptionally important, you know, as a couple of old monitoring folks like us might might think. But uh, it does shock me as I, you know, I, I work with a lot of you know large enterprise customers. How monitoring just, you know, I ran into Nagios this week, right? <laughs> <laughs> where where it's just kind of like, yeah, we we did all this work, we got all this stuff up, but uh, at the end, you know, we got away with just the minimal. Yeah. And and so the, the minimum of, of Kubernetes at this point is, you know, Kubernetes and something to make sure that your uh, nodes can all talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and, I, and this is then, you know, I had to look this up myself. So I, I did cheat. Like, so then, because I was always like, Envoy, uh, I was like, well, wait a minute, is Envoy, because I had to go back and listen to a little bit of our Istio uh, episode. And uh, so just so everybody knows, and Matt, you can definitely chime and correct me. So as I understand it, right, so Envoy is definitely 
doing all this networking stuff. But Envoy itself, pretty complicated, right? So Istio, if you will, is if I, I almost think of it as like the wrapper, because when you get into Istio, it's yep. like underneath Istio is uh, a lot of Envoy and then a lot of other things to make it a little bit simpler. So, um, so that's again, like another good acknowledgement of like, you know, is, you know, I think they even realized like, well, you know, Envoy itself is still too complicated. So we've got to make Istio and then, you know, Google, uh, was there making their pitch that, Hey, you can just like, you know, checkbox, just turn it on now. So, so really what I think the more mainstream person is going to want is, is, uh, you're not going to want to necessarily miss with an envoy. You're going to want to like use this through Istio, which seems yeah. like the, the correct way going forward. Uh, but this, this graduation step obviously was a necessary step to now get to the point that like, okay, now envoys, uh, stable. And if people don't realize just a quick recap of that, right. It's like this whole sidecar model, right. It's like, okay, I do my containers. The containers basically don't do the networking themselves. They, they talk to the sidecar concept of this being envoy. And then, you know, Boom! Magic happens, and all the networking stuff gets figured out. Um, at least, at least, at least that's what in my it, mind it, is supposed it is to happen. Magic. At this point, it's magic. <laughs> well, you know, I, you I, are so- I will say, you know, the the one thing. So, so that was good. So that was you know, those announcements were like top level. I get all the things, but then they did run through the onslaught, as you'd like to say. They went through yeah. a lot of the projects that had been uh, moved <laughs> into incubating, right? And so there yeah. are, I think, 18 projects um, that are in the incubating phase. And this, this is where the moment yeah. I, I, had, I, I did. I like had a little bit of like, I was, I was, I was kind of having some OpenStax flashbacks here. I was like, oh, my God. Absolutely. Like, I was Absolutely. just like. Where, Your tent is too big. Yeah. I, it was just like, where are we? Like, there was like, yeah. so, I mean, it was everything. Container runtimes, logging, networking, storage. Well, Dean, I mean, yeah. and, and on and on. So, so here's my question is that. So it's easy to just, you know, I like to be back, you know, just to take shots, right? Come back here and be like, what is going on? This is too many projects. But at the end of the day, like, I just, I guess it's just the now, because like, if you go back to uh, maybe like our earlier history and the whole Java world and like enterprise Java beans and all that, like it, it, it never was this big, but it had the same kind of thing, right? You're just like, oh my God, there are like a thousand packages. So is it just the nature of software that there's just no other way to do it. Like you start to build these complicated systems, you just end up with like 30 different, you know, core pieces of technology you need to make it run. Is there an easier way, Matt? <laughs> well, the easier way is you go with the hosted solution, right? It let it be somebody else's problem. And, and the, the, you know, there's been a lot of meta commentary this week about this complexity, right? You've got, you know, all these different things are happening, and as an operator, um, you know, I, I posted on Twitter. I was I was oh'ing you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it turned out to be a, a very popular tweet that uh, cloud native is pretty simple, right? You just need to know Kubernetes, Prometheus, FluentD, Jaeger, Envoy, CoreDNS, Linkerd, Rook, Vitas, etcd, and Raft. And then, of course, I got you know thirty some responses about you know oh you forget about this and this and this, and then people are like I give up. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and yeah, so, uh, very popular tweet because it is, it's, you know, like, like we said, you go in through the front door and you're like Kubernetes. And then the back door is this, you know, bazaar of, you know, a thousand stalls and, you know, the place you want to be is near the front of the door. Cause if you, if you're hidden in the back, it's going to take someone a long time to get to you. So <clears throat> in that, 
in that you know large marketplace of ideas um the big stuff you know is 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 kubernetes but if you're going to be deploying this and operating it um it's it's going to be hard and Mm -hmm. you know you're going to spend a lot of time um you're going to spend a lot of time like trying to make heads or tails of this and so what people are doing is like hey if we can get to the front of the line if we can get closer to the front of the you know the bizarre entrance well we'll you know let's make ourselves part of the cloud native computing foundation let's donate our project and you know i've heard some rumbling some grumbles from people who have projects that compete with some of the stuff that's in cncf you know that their project wasn't fully baked but they got in first yeah so there's right? definitely going to yeah. be some you know, like, you know kind of uh palace intrigue behind the scenes like, oh yeah they're, they're, how, they're, how do you get in and of course like uh, we're just talking about the incubating projects there's a yet another stage the sandbox projects which i mean i'm oh. not i'm even gonna guess it's like oh. there's like another 20 you know projects oh my and gosh it, is, yeah and that's just that's obviously the uh the bar to get into that sandbox is a little bit different but uh, and then i'm sure you know next year there'll be twice as many things but i I think you know if you didn't uh watch the keynotes but there's a couple that i'll point out that like we're like really it's because the one was just going through some of them but then when you watched um two of them really stuck out two of the the presenters one was uh stripe and the other was airbnb so the stripe and they were um and essentially all of the people that presented were pretty large internet scale companies. I, there was no like mom and pop, like I'm running Kubernetes. It was like, um, you know, names you would know. And, and generally right. people that had, uh, like I think Airbnb, they said something like, they have like a thousand engineers at Airbnb, which I don't know. Yeah. I just never really thought about it, but uh, but they have like entire teams, like entire infrastructure teams, infrastructure engineers just working on this. So, so if you want to get a sense of the complexity, I thought the Airbnb, I think the woman did a great job. She did a really good uh, job about presenting it, but what she ended up showing was they have written a lot of tools on top of the Kubernetes tooling. Right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some debate quickly on the, uh, is it kubectl, kube control, or kube cuddle? I, I like kubectl. It's the command line thing. Hey, but but hey, use what, hey, say what you want. According to Ice Cube, it's kube cuddle. Yeah, kube cuddle. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe Ice Cube. Uh, and we'll get to Ice Cube in a second because he, he may he'll make a return appearance. But, but anyway, she went through uh, – a very detailed presentation of how they were using it, right? And I know, you know, you guys, uh, your 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 day job, right? You've got some experience probably with Airbnb too. But, but like when you kind of got into the uh, the complexity of what they had done to try to automate, it, it was a lot about configuration. They were like, well, we, it's writing too. It's always like writing too much YAML. So they had this idea of like essentially generating all the different services and and this idea of like encapsulating this complexity from the developers, but in, in all of it was good. And clearly it works. I mean, I have nothing but respect for uh, the presentation, but there's very few companies, right. That are going to be able yep. to devote this much time and effort to essentially writing custom tools that amount to like a, a custom deployment, if you will, yep. uh, infrastructure into Kubernetes. And so while it was enlightening, I, you know, I, it was sort of frightening from the main, you know what I mean? For like a regular uh, company. Yeah. And, uh, and and I th- but the and I think the other thing that you got a lot from the presentations was many of the people would say something like 
you know, and they even have the the old Jeffrey Moore graph, right? Like, you know, early adopters. And there was kind of this constant theme of all the presenters is like, Kubernetes is mainstream. Kubernetes is ready. Kubernetes, and then you'd see the presentation. And you're like, ooh, I don't know, man. That's pretty complicated. I don't know if that's mainstream. And what <laughs> I like, not for me. Can I have that coloring book? Back? Yeah, I, I was. I was. I was. That's exactly right. I was like, check. Hold on, I'm going back to the children's book for a little bit. Um, but what I think they uh, ultimately were really saying, right, is, uh, and this is a, a Kelsey Hightower line. It's like. Kubernetes is a platform to build platforms. So I think yeah. if you are an infrastructure engineer and you are working at a very large scale uh, technology provider that is going to invest in building into this platform, it is probably now at the place that yes, the platform is ready for you to build the platform. And it, I think that is generally true. What is not true I think is I'm going to like download Kubernetes. I'm going to just throw it up myself, right, in my data center, and I'm going to like start using it. And I'm and I've got that, and I've got VMware, and I've got some mainframe, and I've got some other applications I'm running, and I'm just going to like make this part of my mainstream tech stack. I in no way believe Kubernetes is ready for that. I, I was like, I would be frightened well, if someone asked yeah. me to do that. And 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 to that point, the, the the people who are going to run this in production are the same sorts of people who probably could run things like OpenStack in production. The rest of us are probably going to take a look at this and say, well, I'm either going to go to a vendor, uh, you know, get myself some uh, some pivotal Kubernetes foundry or whatever they call it, uh, get myself some OpenShift, uh, or go straight to the cloud and let Google, Microsoft, Amazon. You know, DigitalOcean, whoever, uh, be the ones who provide this to me because, you know, I'm a business. Uh, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm my business is renting out hotel rooms that are unbooked. Why do I need to spend you know 50 engineers maintaining our infrastructure? Yeah. Um, and and so this you know kind of mimics well uh, eventually. Um, what what will happen with Kubernetes? What happened with OpenStack is you have a couple of you know big companies who are you know they need this because it makes sense for them to run it in production. Um, you know, not not everybody can be in the public cloud. Not you know, not everybody uh, uh, wants to pay someone to run their infrastructure for them because you know competitive interest or whatever. Um, and so the small people are going to fall out fast. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not going to be like, I mean, you'll, you'll see tweets about it, about, you know, oh, I got Kubernetes running on my raspberry Pis. It's like, you know, you don't, you have, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have Kubernetes and, and maybe uh, Istio, but you know, you're missing 30 more projects. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, because the other one that I was gonna mention was Stripe is, uh, you know, she came up and gave a really good presentation, like a unique style. She kind of just did handwritten slides, which are, or at least they looked handwritten and they were really good. It was really kind of cool how she did it. Uh, but, you know, her uh, opening point was like, okay, all we use at Stripe is uh, Kubernetes and I think Envoy. There, that's it. There's like the reason, and they, she basically said it this way. She said like, you know, uh, the only way we can make it easy to use is just to minimize how much stuff that we have, right? Yeah. Because we just, yeah. that way we know. And then she actually went through, uh, some stuff that obviously Matt, you know, it's your world, right? You know, what they call game days. Like they do a lot of like, you know, whatever chaos monkey, like, you know, what happens if like the, the etcd server goes down and they do a lot of, uh, they've done a lot of work themselves to figure out how to troubleshoot all these problems. So like kind of all the, the, if you will, their own run book. So that was a really realistic approach. But again, like if you're Stripe, 
and you're like, you have all the infrastructure to do it and they have like really smart people, it makes sense. But you didn't leave the presentation thinking, um, cause like, if, like, as I said at the opening, like if you're at like say a VMware conference, the presentation would, would probably be from like, uh, you know, a bank in the Midwest and they'd be like, yeah, we got up and we did it. Cause you know, the reason that, that people want that, it's like everyone can see themselves in that. They're like, oh, they're like a reasonably small yeah, company yeah. and they did it. Like there, there was none of that. Right. So you're like, <laughs> yeah, you just, like, you they... kind of felt like when, when Stripe was over and then Airbnb was over and there were some other ones like uber you were like uh you're like that's great like you guys i can see why you're so successful and i cannot do that you know so um that was <laughs> exactly. that was my takeaway but then um to your point though about you know who's and, and so part of me is always like well who's like you know there's like eight thousand people here's like who's paying for all this and how are people going to make money and i think if you just kind of go back to and maybe this is the the distinction we can draw with the open stack is that if you look at the the platinum sponsors, right, it was all the people you would expect, uh, Red Hat, IBM, AWS, Google, and I think Microsoft. Um, so clearly, right, they are, if you will, they are the ones that are using this platform to build their own platform. And then they are then going to sell that platform, yep. right, to end users. So, so it is, when you look at that crazy CNCF slide that I like, where you see all the logos, there's a question mm -hmm. mark, right? Like, like, how are the rest of you all going to make money? You know what I mean? It's like there is only <laughs> so many things people are going yeah. to buy. And you must be this big to make money with Kubernetes. Yeah, and, right? and you either need to get your thing into one of those platforms or you better have a really strong value proposition outside of that because there's only going to be a few companies that can take it, like the ones I just mentioned. And they may just do it themselves or, you know, they may just take an open source project. Um, so that, you know... And I don't know. I mean, I think OpenStack obviously had lots of vendors behind it, but it never felt like it was adopted, at least by these major cloud providers as Kubernetes is. So, so I think there is like a distinction in my mind. It's like, even if this is like infinitely complex, which it is, you know, it's going to be taken to market by, if you will, really four or five major vendors that are going to be the right. ones responsible for really making it simple. Um, uh, which yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad for the ecosystem, right? And that's so... So, and this would be my cautionary tale is like what worked for you before all the vendors and startups may not work here. Like, you know, there's only going to be four or five people acquiring stuff. So it's going to be really, really competitive to me. <laughs> so, so suck up to them today uh, <laughs> because, you know, you might not be there to, um, next, next week. So, I mean, this, again, it's just like the OpenStack Summit. So, you know, probably it'd be interesting to just track attendees. You know, if you get the companies right if you get you know from from kubecon this year or from last year who was there who was acquired who went out of business yeah you know who who upped their level of sponsorship and you know there's probably just some sort of you know tracking graph that shows like you know the bottom half of companies are going to fall off you know and they're just not going to be there next year for you know some reason or other but they'll be replaced by a new crop of startups or you know, companies that have pivoted into selling you some sort of Kubernetes services, right? You know, we'll see some some HPEs and some IBMs and, you know, people who aren't there. IBM was there. But, you know, people who aren't there, you know, they'll be there next time um, because they have something to sell. Well, you definitely see that right at the top of the the grid, right? Because IBM is a platinum sponsor as well as Red Hat. So next year, right, yeah, it'll yeah. just be one, right? You know, there'll just be one entity there. Uh, well, then I guess we should <laughs> kind of end, like, as the conference ended, right? Like, the last... Uh, I think pretty pretty much the last demo or keynote was our, our man Kelsey Hightower, and so he kind of yeah. came out right, and you always see something different from Kelsey, and clearly he had you know, like it's uh, it's getting to be a new year, so he's got like his new pitch going, and uh, it was really interesting because what he ended up doing, 
right? And he was the one that sort of came out and just kind of said, like, you know, Kubernetes is a platform for platforms. And, you know, I think his message was something to the effect of, you know, don't lose sight of the end customer, right? And that's really what it is. And so what he decided to display was he uh, essentially went out and wrote a Fortran program. So I didn't learn there's Fortran 2018. Had no idea. Yeah. We're still working on Fortran. Yeah. So I was I, like, I, holy. I was excited about that. I was New blown away. Fortran. Blown yeah, away. Yeah, I think he said, uh, you know, uh, there's a newer release of Fortran than of Go. So, yeah. you know, get Get to it, hackers. Cut, cutting edge. So he wrote, you know, uh, a simple uh, program to calculate velocity. And so, what he was trying to show was, uh, in this case, his Fortran program was the business logic, right? And he was trying to show that, like, hey, let me show you how easy it is to deploy this business logic, essentially using functions, serverless, or Lambda. And so, what he did was, he first deployed it using container, building it into a container. And yep. then deploying it on Google, and then uh, there's always a lot of Kelsey magic. So I mean, he's good, but like he has <laughs> magic right. going on behind the scenes. So then he wrote, uh, he's like, well, then I wrote this tool to extract the executable from the container, right? Which I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't think everyone has that. I'm not sure, you know what I mean? But like, assume you did, right? So so he pulled out his Fortran code, his little executable, and then on stage, right? He uh, then used uh, AWS Lambda to take that Fortran code and deploy it into AWS, right? into the land of stuff. And I think his point was, uh, obviously he's, you know, paid by Google, right? Google evangelist, whatever keynoter. Um, so I think his whole point was like, Hey, you know, we need to learn from different things and that, that these guys, uh, I say it as if it's some other group, but like, you know, people building the function side of this, the serverless side of this are coming at it with some new approaches. And I think yeah. his underlying message was the future. And this is now I'm just speaking for him, right? It's like, and you kind of <laughs> see this for Google too. I think they all believe the future is functions, right? Yeah. This is what a regular, if you will, quote unquote, regular developer is going to do. They're going to write functions in business uh, logic and deploy it using either Google Functions, Lambda, Op OpenWhisk, whatever, you know, all the other potential frameworks that are out there. And um, which I thought was interesting because in the end, right, I think maybe we're just this, like, I, I'm taking away from KubeCon, like, this was the midpoint of, like, it is a platform for platforms, and hopefully we almost see less of it, right? You know what I mean? The platform starts to just blend into the Google provide the cloud providers, rather, and then, you know, this new functions uh, framework is going to take over. At least that's what I thought he was advocating. Whether that yeah, happens no, or not, and, and, and And, you know, that's... You know that's kind of the point of the, of 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 his talk and and a lot of the meta commentary that was happening outside. I was like, hey, this is great. You know, you guys are uh, are are moving. You know, you're you're talking about the plumbing of this great giant system, and it's hard and complex. And you know what? Developers don't care. The, you know, it, the the Kubernetes is not for developers. You know, if 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 I'm writing business code. And you tell me that I need to care about which version of Rook we're using, you know, I, you've lost it, right? This is to the point, like, I don't care if it's, you know, Kubernetes or hosted, you know, Kubernetes or AKS or, you know, um, I don't care, you know, to the developer, it's just, I write my code, it gets deployed. And, you know, the, this is, this is a lot of time and effort that you know it has to be spent time and effort but um if you're if you're focused on the management layer instead of the application layer you know that's not where the business value is and so companies deciding hey should we be running kubernetes or not are they might even be asking the wrong question it's it's you know what's the best way to get my applications out as fast as possible 
Yeah, no, and I think you know he he was really driving that home, and I think you know the it all if you will foreshadowing is that clearly um, you know K Native, which we had talked about way back when it, it came out, is is sort of you know. And I think in the Google world, that's going to be the platform to build this functions on top of it, right? And I think going forward, uh, and someone else, there's a good article, I think it was either Forbes, Fortune, that kind of like, you know, kind of contrasted a little bit with AWS. That AWS, like, there was just a brief announcement about some of the EK, uh, Amazon's container stuff, EKS yeah. and ECS and Fargate and all that. Um, but they really spent the bulk of the time like talking about either serverless or Lambda or other stuff. And it's like, and I think, you know, of the two, right, you know, Amazon is always like, hey, let's solve business problems, right? Like, don't worry about the platform. And I think mm-hmm. um, this next year, right, that's what we're going to see is, if you will, maybe Kubernetes fade in a little bit, fade to the bo- to the background just a little bit and yeah. all these uh, serverless functions um uh protocols whatever uh various right, but, different but, things kind of take over as the next uh, battleground yeah but it, it it's not going to fade out at the uh kubecon no 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 kubecon <laughs> i keep counting right, up right, right, children's yeah. books and you know yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know, just like you know the OpenStack summit's still going strong right they yeah. still get you know thousands of attendees because you know people care about uh about the plumbing but you know the developers they just care that you know i turn the faucet and water comes out yeah and, and I, yeah i totally agree and i think that's in some ways like i get it like i totally you know this is kind of the red hat ibm acquisition we talked about it's like you know if you kind of think about it like what does everyone like to do everyone wants to build products for themselves me included all of us right and it's like really when you get down to it it is a bunch of you know infrastructure engineers building a product for themselves that they love that they love working on that has an incredible community um, people that have been together for years that are telling war stories, right? You know, all of this together. So that, I mean, it's like, we need all that. That's what, we absolutely need all that. That's what creates these, these platforms. But it also is also, I think it's okay to say like, oh, I definitely need you guys, but I don't need to understand all of this. I was like, there's just no way I'm going to try to understand 50 different projects. At some point, I'm going to look for somebody else um, to just, you know, figure it out for me. So, right, um, right. So, so it's almost like, I love you, KubeCon. But uh, but I but I don't want to know too <laughs> but much. Choos- I, I I love you Kubernetes, but I've chosen serverless. <laughs> That's right. That could, that could come down to that. So um, all right. So we're gonna wrap up here. But a couple things that we didn't get to this week. One, if you want to read a real live case study of uh, edge computing, private cloud uh, use of Kubernetes, then you must read the Chick Fil A tech blog. If you don't yeah. know what Chick Fil A is, uh, international letters, it is a basically a fast food shop where they sell excellent, very unhealthy chicken sandwiches. And you're like, why would they be doing Kubernetes? But they outlined a very sophisticated approach to how they've instrumented all their kitchen uh, stuff. And uh, here they basically want to predict when to make waffle fries. And I was like, finally, a problem we can all get behind. When I am there, I want my waffle fries. That (laughs) was uh, fantastic. And then, um, you know, Kote's not on this week, so we can't give him a hard time about – Dell, uh, Dell did it, I guess. They like they're gonna like buy back VMware and they're gonna go public. So uh, you know that just probably means Cote is gonna be rich. So good for him. Uh, and then uh, and sadly uh, he he was gonna he doesn't be... work at VMware. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works, man. We'll have to explain. Yeah. It. But uh, that was some big news. If you're interested in that, there's a lot of good write ups about that. Uh, and then um, he was gonna be on uh, this episode, but you know sometimes the hotel Wi-Fi wins, Matt. It just it wins. It just it, yep. it just wouldn't do that. Um, so 
a couple yeah. quick things, you know, that we would like for Christmas. Uh, we would like you to write us a, a, a great review of the podcast. And yep. if you uh, want to write us a review and you send me uh, your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, I will send you a free T-shirt. If writing a review is just it just takes too long, it's just hard, then don't worry about it. Just send me your postal address and I'll send you a sticker. Um, and then this week was a great time to be in the Software Defined Talk Slack channel. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are lots a lot of, of good uh, conversations. A lot of back yeah. channel uh, talking about QCon and just all kinds of stuff, Y2K and, and just craziness in there. So <laughs> uh, if you haven't – Fortran. Fortran. I mean, it was going this week. There was a lot of unusual yeah. topics. A lot, so, a lot of – content if you have not already uh signed up then you should and we of course we uh thank our friend no ssh jj for hooking us up with uh some anonymous registration which we love um yep so matt you got a recommendation for us this, this week <laughs> yeah yeah so last week uh last week i was on but I, I dropped off right before we did recommendations and cote cote read my recommendation like uh matt uh recommended uh whatever <laughs> <laughs> So I'm coming back and re-recommending uh, the the 99% Invisible podcast episode, The Evolutionary Design, because uh, Kote had no idea what it was about. It was about Devo, uh, which oh, is uh, okay. one of my wow, favorite Wow, that recommendation was so bad. We weren't even talking about that. Okay. Um, it was it was uh, the backstory of the cover of their first album, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo. And uh, it has Chichi Rodriguez. It's got... Um, you know, intrigue with with uh, uh, corporate uh, legal. It, it's it's such a such a good episode, um, especially if if you like Devo and you know they even talk about football. So um, <laughs> it's a good episode. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's really representative of the rest of ninety nine percent invisible, but I greatly enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, that whole podcast. I, I have not listened to this episode, but that whole podcast is really good. If you're uh, yeah. if you're into design or like the design of everyday things and you know just all that kind of stuff, it's uh it's really well done. Um, so definitely check that one out. And then I was going to quickly recommend, uh, you know, because I I'm always into the the true crime. I always like a good true, true crime podcast. You know, nothing uh, makes a flight or time go faster than like eight episodes of trying to solve some mystery. So if you're into true crime, you should uh, check out the, the bear Brook podcast. So it's basically about uh, a murder and in, in this kind of like remote area. And then they ended up using, um, you know, it, it was a very long period of time before they were able to find anything out. Um, but they ended up using kind of this like genetic uh, forensics where like, you know how everyone's like putting their genetics online and then you can like figure <laughs> out like, like who your cousins are, your half brothers or first cousins. Yep. So it's like, whoa, yep. it's like, and, um, and the NSA is just gobbling that all up. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's always, it's kind of back to our original discussion about encryption. It's like, uh, people are putting their DNA for free online. I don't know what else you could add. I mean, it's like, it doesn't get more personal than that. So, but you know, I guess the thing that's so interesting about it is there really is like, uh, if Matt, you and I are, are related or we have some distant relative in, in between us, like you really don't have a say if I put my DNA up and that Matt, you right you know that's kind of the interesting right, thing right. Of, about uh privacy yeah. it's like you're, yeah. you you can reveal stuff about people that you know that have no say in it so it's an interesting yeah. look so if you like that kind of stuff you want to uh you know maybe take a break from from all this tech news check out the bear brook podcast and so we will be back next week, Matt. I think we've got some exciting stuff to talk about uh, already lined up it's already been a good week because there was just so much uh cubecon news so um until next week Keep uh, listening to all the great podcasts, write us a review, and we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye.